0: Hello there, and welcome back to The Ghosting Show, a podcast where I, your host Anna, talk all about the most haunted locations and stories that I can possibly find. This week, I have a banger episode for you lovely listeners, because I will be talking about the true story behind the Amityville Horror House, so be sure to get a hold of your AMF readers, straighten up your dowsing rods, and join me for some ghostly gossip. For this episode, I just want to clarify, I am a little sick right now and by a little sick I mean I am on my floor right now um so my apologies if the energy is a little lacking this week or if I just sound funky or if I'm sniffling every once in a while um my apologies but let's get into this week's story first things first the Amityville Horror was a book first published by Jay Anson in September of 1977 The book takes place at the former Lutz house and is about the family's claims of paranormal activity and the hauntings that happened to them in this house. Since then, the story has been made into over 23 horror movies and shows, as well as nine more books from 1979 to 2018. Chances are you've heard of at least one of these stories, whether it be from the original movie franchise or The Conjuring 2, which had a part of the movie based around the Amityville horror. but. You probably don't know much about the original case that made this story so famous. Hello, that's why I'm here. So, for some history about this house, there was an actual murder case here at this lovely household. On November 14th, 1974, at age 23, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot his parents and four siblings dead in the house at 112 Ocean Avenue on the south shore of Long Island, New York. After the murders, he went to a bar around the house, and he was basically shouting for help. What he was saying was, you gotta help me, I think my mother and father are shot. He, he he wanted people to think that he didn't do it, obviously. That's what murderers do, besides when they don't. Shortly after he came rushing to this bar, some people came to the house to help him. They found his parents, two sisters at ages 18 and 13, and his brothers at age 12 and 9. The police originally took Ronald in for his own protection, since they thought the murders had been carried out by a mob hitman. They thought Louis Fellini was the original murderer, but when they interviewed him to get the story, he had some major inconsistencies whenever he told it. And the following day, he confessed to having done the murders himself. Part of this was, he said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Dad, I tell you honestly, I couldn't stop if I wanted to. I couldn't put the gun there. He confessed to all the murders and revealed where he had hidden evidence that was crucial in the case and soon after in november of 1975 he was convicted to six sentences of 25 years to life and just recently he actually died in prison on march 12 2021 at age 69. now this story isn't actually so much about the murders that took place there but there is a little history um the main story that comes with this house is the Lutz's story. So this narrative starts in December of 1975 when the Lutz family moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. The day they moved in, the couple had a priest bless the house because of the previous murder, but George claimed the holy man felt an unseen hand slap him in the sewing room and also heard a voice say, get out. Get out. Then Lutz said, the priest that blessed the house became ill with flu-like symptoms and his hands began to bleed. Trust me, this is not where it ends. Soon after moving in, the couple supposedly had already been noticing odd things around the house. They reported doors being ripped from the hinges, cabinets slamming shut, and slime oozing from the walls and ceilings. When I first read that, I couldn't help but think of Malagros' story, week five, of the first rotation. Flashback to that. Thank you. Slime! starts going down the walls. What color is the slime? Green. Oh. Ghostbusters? Actually, it's Nickelodeon? Pink. Actually, it's pink. Um, it's actually pink. Oh, okay. No copyright claims your- on this podcast. <laughs> okay, back to the Lutz family. They also reported strong odors in the house, continuously cold temperatures that lasted for days, and more loud sounds that they couldn't find coming from any apparent source. George Lutz also claims to have often woken up at 3.15 a.m., which is the approximate time of the DeFeo family deaths. Apart from that, 3 a.m. is also widely known as the witching hour or the devil's hour, which is heavily associated with supernatural events and paranormal activity. A little weird, if you ask me. At times, George Lutz claimed that his wife was physically transformed into an older woman. He said that she would have the wrinkles and the facial appearance of a 90 year old woman and at one point he claims that she levitated in the middle of the night just like that just just floating floating in bed one night george also claims to have heard his children's beds slamming up and down on the floor but claimed he couldn't do anything because an invisible force was paralyzing him um hello sleep paralysis now here is the the main event on january 14th of 1976 only 28 days after moving in kathy and george lutz fled their home they took their three children and their dog harry with them and they left all their possessions behind from what they claim was a strong possessive demonic force that drove them out and caused the previous hauntings so okay little recap they move into this house previously murder had happened there i guess they were okay with that so after they move in, they report all of these possessions, these weird events, these paranormal activity. And only 28 days after moving in, they move out. They left. They were up and gone. So we know the story now. But why is there all this hype around this house that, I don't know, there's a billion other haunted houses in, in the U.S., supposed haunted houses in the world. So why Amityville Horror House? What's so, what's such a big deal? What's the big deal? Two months after the family moved out, a local TV crew did a segment on the house. They brought in so-called ghost hunters and paranormal experts to evaluate the couple's claims. The team took several photos inside, including a now infamous image apparently showing a ghost boy peering out from one of the bedrooms. And the psychics agreed that there was some kind of demonic force present in the house. Now, I actually looked at this picture. That was the ghost boy picture. Um, I will say, if I saw that in my house, I would be moving out too. (laughs) So here's something that I want to talk about. The paranormal expert team that was brought into the house were Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, this couple is known for investigating seven famous hauntings, even more than that. Um, And despite their strong defense saying that all the cases and hauntings are real, many people think that they're just hoaxes. They have always been receiving heavy criticism, and a lot of people think that they're just doing investigations and making them larger than they should be for fame and money, which understandable. The Warrens have a combined estimated net worth of about $88 million, so yeah, that's a lot. There were also common errors found with the flash photography and nothing evil in the artifacts that the Warrens had collected. A lot of people have said that they have a ton of evidence that just got away. They're not doing good scientific investigations and they have a predetermined conclusion which they adhere to literally and religiously. They were also accused of being frauds on countless occasions. They got a ton of money from these stories and investigations so it's hard not to believe someone would exaggerate something like this for money some of their other cases aside from amityville horror were sold for the conjuring movies but they also apparently were just not good people beyond the claims that the warrens fabricated their stories there are extremely troubling claims that ed warren trigger warning groomed a 15 year old he met while working as a bus driver and they eventually had a 40-year relationship The Warrens officially said they moved the girl into their house because she had nowhere else to go, Um, but when Lorraine Warren signed on to consult The Conjuring movies, she also got a contract that stated the movies will not feature negative information about the Warrens, including activities with minors, child uh, videos, and prostitution or sexual assault. The Hollywood Reporter consulted an entertainment industry attorney who says mentioning specific crimes like this is something she has never seen before. And also, I read somewhere, which does make sense, why would you even have to bring that up unless you were trying to not be accused of it? It's, it's weird, it's, it's a little sketch, I'll be honest. Um, now, along with the Warrens, a lot of people think that the Lutzes originally made up and exaggerated the story for fame and money too. I was trying to find this, and it's tricky, but George Lutz has an estimated net worth of- (laughs) I have quite a range here- from 1.1 to 5 to 16 million. I'll be honest, I could not find a set answer, take that how you will. It's a lot either way. So his son Daniel, who was 10 at the time, has also said that George invited mysterious and dangerous forces into their lives due to his interest in the occult. George's stepson, Christopher Quarantino, who was 7 when he lived in the house, came forward in 2005 to say that the events in the Amityville horror books and movies have been stretched to the point of fiction. He also said that George was obsessed with the occult and had exaggerated some paranormal incidents he believes did occur when he was a child. Um, Another reason people think they made the whole thing up. The notorious house has passed through the hands of several owners since the Lutzes lived there, and no one else has reported any paranormal activity, anything weird. It's just the Lutzes. Now living in Scottsdale, Arizona, 37 years old, Chris Quarantino also maintains that the haunting was not a hoax. He insists his stepfather at the time, George, brought the troubles on himself by dabbling in the occult and then amplified what paranormal activities did happen to profit off of books and movies about the house. So, his own stepson, George's own stepson, seems to have not even believed that the whole thing was true. But he seems to admit that something did happen in the house, that weird things did happen in that house, but it was definitely exaggerated for the movies and the books and the fame, the wealth, the lifestyle as we know it. So Lutz actually sued his former stepson um, over what he said are ag- <laughs> Agalations. Over what Quarantino said are allegations of trademark infringement and fraud, relating to a future Amityville movie planned by Lutz. According to Quarantino, when the family moved to the house in 1975, George Lutz was extremely curious of everything paranormal, and he tried to summon supernatural beings by chanting, but he insists he did have run-ins with the paranormal, including the time he saw a presence as definite as a shadow in the shape of a man that moved toward him and dissipated. So it seems that there were paranormal happenings at the house, but not as exaggerated as the books and movies. Make it appear. quarantino said he wants to set the record straight from Lutz's version. He points his finger at a house and says there's something evil in there. Fingers should be pointed at what he had done. He is a perpetrator and an instigator. It's also worth noting that William Weather, who was DeFeo's Robert, Ronald DeFeo's Junior's attorney, He publicly stated that the story was made up between Jay Anson, the Warrens, and George and Kathy Lutz. So, the story that was made for the books and the movies was made up, but it's still a question as to whether or not paranormal activity did happen in the house. In conclusion, I think the story might have some original credibility, but the Warrens and Lutzes exaggerated everything for profit and maybe even for some fame. Either way, they got what they wanted, I guess. That is going to be the end of this week's episode of The Ghosting Show. Be sure to support the rest of our BGTV crew by watching our weekly episodes on YouTube, and definitely check out the rest of our podcasts and newsletters. Thank you for listening. It's great to be back, and until next time, goodbye, everyone.